Welcome to Holy Savior Sermons, bringing you the weekend sermons given at Holy Savior Church. All right, this morning we're going to begin a new series. This is our series for the month of June called Summer Baggage. Anyone planning to travel this summer? A few of you, you know. We had a, a, a VBS, you know, meeting for our, our staff, and I started thinking, I think I'm going to travel about 12,000 miles this summer. All by foot. No, just kidding. Mostly by plane. You know, when you travel, you, you, you load your baggage up. And I don't know about you, when you load up your baggage, especially if you travel like on an airplane, you've got to weigh the baggage, and you try to squeeze in as much as you can into those bags. And do you ever get a bag that was just so over, like, flowing? You know, and usually like when we travel to Poland, it, it usually, you know, we get our bags up there and then sometimes somebody puts their bag up there and if you traveled on an airplane and you've got a checked in bag, what is the weight limit on that bag? 50 pounds. And usually if you're over 50 pounds, what do you have to do? Take some stuff out. That's right. You don't pay more money. Well, you can. Um, you, you take stuff out. And sometimes if you're traveling with a group, you're like, wait a second, is that bag less? Let's see if I can take out a pair of socks or, you know, something and shove it in this other bag here and see if we can kind of equal it all out. You know, in life, we carry a lot of baggage. And the baggage we have in life, you know, is from all of the experiences we have, the things that we've enjoyed, you know, the stuff that is, you know, a celebration in our life, the things that are part of our life that cause us pain and and hurt and and sorrow. And some of us seemed, you know, to travel light and some of us travel with a lot of heavy baggage. So we're going to explore some of that baggage that we carry in life and how it is that we can lighten that load. How it is as God works in our lives through His Son Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, how we lighten the load of that baggage. Let's go to our Lord in prayer. Lord God, we give you thanks and praise for the gift of your amazing grace and love for us in Jesus Christ. And Lord, as we begin this new series, as we begin summertime, we pray, Lord, that you bless us as we travel physically in real life, but also, Lord, in that metaphorical way as we travel in life and the baggage we carry, that you help us to sort through, you know, what it is that's in the baggage of life and how we might lighten that load by your grace. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. All right, so a question for you. What are three things that have shaped who you are? I'll give you a few seconds to ponder. As you ponder that, one thing that I would imagine may not be the first thing you think about, but being here in Nebraska for a number of years, I know for a lot of you, one thing that has shaped your life? Go Big Red. red. You're right. You know, you're from Nebraska. I mean, every once in a while, I meet somebody who says, you know, but most everybody, you know, you know, especially during football season, but not only football, there's volleyball, you know, baseball, you know, that there are people who like, you watch the game. It shapes your life. Weddings don't happen on Saturdays when there's a game. I mean, there was a wedding we did here a number of years ago that there was an uncle that did not come to the wedding. And I won't say his name because I, mean, I knew him. He was back from the church I was at in Omaha. I'm like, wait, I know him. I was looking forward to seeing him. And he didn't come because, guess what time the wedding was? Right in the middle of a football game. And so he didn't come. 
It shapes our lives. So what are some other things that shape your life? Go ahead and shout it out. You know, if you're at home, you can, you know, if you're on Facebook or whatever, you can kind of click that in and just type something out. Something that shaped your life. Parents. Parents, Parents shape your life. I mean, I think about that for myself. You know, on the one hand, I, I've shared some of the things with my father. He was not the nicest guy. He was kind of emotionally, verbally abusive. In many ways, that has shaped part of who I am. My mother, on the other hand, you know, was encouraging. She was there to help soften, you know, the roughness that, that he gave in life and help to shape who I am. Parents, what else shapes your life? A dog. I, God and dog. <laughs> dog, 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 God, dog. You know, you know, God shapes your life, you know? Your dogs, your pets shape your life. Jesus shapes your life. Children, Children shape your life. Grandchildren, if you have grandchildren, shape your life. Church, Church shapes your life. Yeah. Spouse shapes your life. Teachers. Teachers shape your life, yeah. Teachers who are like, <laughs> done for a few months. Teachers are never quite ever done, done, but not actually. But yeah, teachers shape your life. I think about some of the teachers I had, Mrs. Carter and Mrs. Um, I almost said it the wrong way. Mrs. Gruel, sometimes they called her cruel, but she was not cruel. She was actually really nice. Mrs. McAllister, who reminded me of, you know, um, the magic school bus. You know, she was kind of like, she was our music teacher. She had this frizzly hair, you know, she was really cool. She was great. Yeah, you know, there are a lot of people and, and things that shape who we are. And, you know, and we're constantly, in a sense, being shaped because, you know, I think about how I was shaped as a child and how, you know, I've been continually shaped to who I am now as a, as a father, you know, as, as a husband, as a pastor. Our lives, your life, is continually being shaped by the things inside your life, by the things outside of your life, to the baggage we carry. And that's what we're going to explore here this morning. Let's read together here uh, the text that we had. It was a short text. We're going to spend some time looking at this text. Two slides here. Let's read together. Get rid of your bitterness, hot tempers, anger, loud quarreling, cursing, and hatred. Be kind to each other, compassionate, forgiving each other as God has forgiven you through Christ. Really quick, let's talk about this thing called the letter to the Ephesians. You know, Ephesus was one of the largest metropolitan areas in ancient Rome. So the Roman Empire, this city of Ephesus, was a bustling city. You know, it had a lot of business and people, because it was a trade route, people would come from all over parts of the world. So Ephesus, you know, was a city, in many ways kind of like Lincoln, that was multicultural, multi-ethnic, multi-religious all these different people gathered here to make a living for themselves. And Paul had come here a number of years ago. And if you want to read more about this today as you're sitting out in the hot sun or maybe in the shade, you know, in your hammock. I don't know why hammock. You don't sit in a hammock. You lie in a hammock. You're lying in a hammock. You want to read Acts 19. You read about Paul's time in Ephesus. He was there for two years. He had a successful missionary endeavor there for two years. And many people became followers of Jesus. Some of those followers of Jesus were part of his, you know, background. You know, what shaped his life was his Jewish faith. 
And others were, you know, what they call the Gentiles. They were non-Jewish people. So you had here in Ephesus this multi-ethnic, multicultural, multi-past religious, depending where they came from, community of Jesus followers. And even became kind of multi-economic levels because people were on different economic levels. They were part of this community of Jesus followers in Ephesus. So it's this amazing thing that, that God did as God worked through Paul. And it's likely that Paul was writing this letter to the Christians in Ephesus, but also it was a letter that often they would share to other churches, Jesus communities in the area. And Paul probably wrote this when he was in prison. So it's often considered you know, one of his prison letters. And he's writing to these Christians these Jesus followers, to encourage them in their faith. And so even though these words were written 2,000 you know, years ago, they still speak to us because you know what? Here at Holy Savior, we are a community of Jesus followers. And like the people back then, we come from diverse backgrounds. I mean, a lot of us have similarities. A lot of you were born and raised in Nebraska. You know, there are some things that are very similar that have shaped who we are. And we have some things that are different that have shaped who we are. And as Paul writes this letter, this, this is Ephesians. It's a great letter, and it's, it's really kind of broken in, into two main, you know, teaching thoughts that Paul has. First one is chapters 1 and 3, and then chapter 4 and the following. And Paul, again, is writing this community of Jesus followers, encouraging them, encourage them in, in, in the love that God has for them. And as he does this, he gets into chapter 4 here, and he begins to talk about, you know, how it is, you know, that we, we live this life as Jesus followers. What does it mean to be a community of Jesus followers as we live in, in life together, as we worship together, but also as we go out and we intermingle with people throughout the rest of the day and throughout the rest of the week? And here in this little two verses we have, Paul says, get rid of all what? Bitterness, anger, malice, hatred. Get rid of it, Paul says. See, imagine Paul has got this idea of a baggage. They didn't have suitcases then, maybe more like backpacks or sacks. So you have this, this backpack full of stuff, and Paul will say, now begin to unpack some of the stuff from your life. Bitter. So now what does it mean to be bitter? We've got a definition for you here. Bitter, accompanied by severe pain or suffering, exhibiting intense animosity, a feeling of antagonism, hostility, or resentfulness. <sighs> bitter. You know, one of the ways that sometimes, you know, bitterness or being bitter is described is like taking some poison, drinking it, and doing what? Waiting for the other person to die. If you, that's being bitter. The Greek word for bitter you know, it's very similar to our, our English meaning. It can mean something that is like, you know, bitter. Like, I don't know, what, what, what is something that is bitter? You know, I mean, you could say a lemon is bitter, but a bitter is maybe more sour. Bitter tends to have more of a bite to it. You know, it, it's something that really makes you wince a little bit more. And so the Greek language carries that meaning, but then it also talks about the same way that we do. Bitter could be something on the tongue, but it could also be something in your heart. And so 
when it talks about bitterness, you know, it's not saying that, you know, we can't be angry. Because I don't know about you, I get angry sometimes. Anyone else get angry? I share my stories about the roundabout. <laughs> I grumbled at somebody the other day because they were not from Lancaster County or Douglas County. They're from some county outside of the metropolitan areas. You could tell that being in the city and being at the roundabout, they were just a little uncertain. But I was certain. I was in a hurry, and I'm just like, go, go, go. But bitterness, you know, uh, being angry is part of being human. It, it is, you know. Ask your kids, do you ever get angry at them? Do your parents ever get angry at you? Do you ever get angry at your kids? I mean, the other day, Matthew was giving me a hard time. My son was. And he, and he was kind of like, you remember when that time you were working on the car and you looked like Gollum? <laughs> frustrated. I'm being angry with the people. You know, I can be angry not only at the person at the roundabout, you know, I, I was angry at my dad for a long time. The difference between anger and bitterness is that, you know, anger is often for a fleeting moment. Bitterness is when we let that anger stew inside of us. It's when we take that experience, a thing that made us angry, and rather than being something that we dust off, it's something we kind of bury into our luggage of life. Bitterness, you know, is, um, is not something that holds on to us. Bitterness is something that we hold on to. Think about that for just a second again. Bitterness does not hold on to us. Bitterness is something we hold on to. That's a question to think about right now. What bitterness are you holding on to right now in your life? And if you're like, oh, yeah, I was there too as I worked on the sermon. I don't like working on the sermons and I'm like, ooh, I'm preaching to myself, and it's not fun. Yeah, that's made me think, you know, what am I holding on to that I am bitter about? What have I, rather than dusted off, I've stuffed buried deep in the luggage of life that I carry? So here's a way to think about this, is bitterness does not begin as bitterness begins as unforgiven pain. And, you know, let's be honest. There are things that cause us pain in life. And some of the pain, some of the ways that, you know, we have been wrong, that maybe you have been wrong, you know, is not easy to dust off. Roundabout, slow person, I can dust that off pretty easily. A father who, for many times, said words that hurt and that demeaned I was bitter for a long time. That's easy to bury deep inside the luggage of life and carry that with me. And whether the pain that someone has caused you is physical, emotional, spiritual, a combination of those three, it's not easy to get rid of bitterness. Because it's gone from being angry about this pain that's been caused us to be an unforgiven Again, as Paul is writing this, this letter to 
those Christians, those Jesus followers in Ephesus. You know, chapters 1 and 3, he focuses on God's love. And then chapter 4, verse 1, says it this way. Depending on the translation you have, it may not quite capture it, but it's really important. Because Paul begins saying, look, God loves you, God, God, God loves you. He says this word, Ephesians 4.1, therefore. So let's read this together. Ephesians 4.1. Therefore, as a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Therefore, as again, this is he's in prison. Therefore, why? Paul goes all the way back because, again, chapters 1 and 3, Paul is talking about what? God's love. You can go back to 2 8. Let's go ahead. So Ephesians 2 8, then, as he talks about God's love, this is what he's been talking about. This is a passage many of you may be. May be familiar with. Let's read these words together. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. You had nothing to do with it. Being saved is a gift from God. By grace you've been saved. God's grace. Undeserved gift of his love and forgiveness for you. Paul says because of all of this, therefore, therefore, this Grace shapes our life. This grace begins to mold who we are. So a question for you is this question here. How does God's grace shape every aspect of our lives? And while we may have some similar answers, your answers also may be different. You know, for me and the relationship I had with my father growing up, that grace began to shape my relationship, began to shape, reshape the bitterness that I was holding on to in my life. God's grace begins to shape how we interact with one another, how we learn to receive and love one another, even those that may be very different than us. Paul goes on to write in Ephesians 2.10, you know, talk about by grace we're saved. He says these words here, we read together. God has made us what we are. He has created us in Christ Jesus to live lives filled with good works that he's prepared for us to do. God has made us. God has shaped us. He has shaped you. You know, other translations will say you are his workmanship, his masterpiece. God is shaping you by his grace and love, by his forgiveness and his mercy. Let's take a look here at Ephesians 3.18. We read this together. This way, with all God's people, you will be able to understand how wide, long, high, and deep his love is. Because again, if you go back and you say, I'm going to read Ephesians, you know, today or this week. Chapters 1 through 3, Paul is wanting them to understand first and foremost, before he gets into the therefore of what it means to follow Jesus, he wants them to understand what? God's love. How deep, how long, how wide God's love is for whom? For you. That love shapes our life. And it can even begin to reshape the bitterness that we're holding on to. Another thought for us here is getting rid of bitterness begins with God's love for you in Christ Jesus. You know, I can get up here and say, here are the five steps to doing this. But to be honest, it begins where? It begins in God's love for you. 
for me, and I think about my relationship with my father, that's where it began. That was the aha kind of moment that I had. If God forgives and loves me, accepts me, then how can I not want to forgive and love my father? Now, to be honest, depending on how deep the pain is, it might be, God, I do not, I will not forgive them. God, I do not want to forgive them, but I know I should. But I can't. God, I want to forgive them, but I need your help. God, I've forgiven them. Oops, God, something brought that memory back and that pain is living deep inside of my life. I am bitter again, God. God, help. God, I have forgiven them. And I'm no longer holding on to that bitterness. And while that pain maybe has still shaped me, what has shaped me more than anything is your grace, your love, your mercy, and your forgiveness. You know, as we talk about growing in Jesus and sharing his love, Growing in Jesus is not an overnight thing for us. It is a lifelong shaping and reshaping of God in our lives. You know, last weekend we celebrated Pentecost Sunday. We talked about the Holy Spirit. That's part of the Holy Spirit does. It's the word church word we use called sanctification. You know, we're a part of that mix. You know, we try not to hold on to that bitterness. Sometimes we do. Yet we trust that God's Spirit is working in us. He tells us again and again. That's why we say this again and again. God loves you. In Christ Jesus, God loves you and has forgiven you all your sins. That shapes who you are. His love for you and Jesus. So here's the challenge for all of us as we head out into this new week and really so often in our lives. And the challenge is this. Where do you need to ask the Holy Spirit to help you let God's grace shape who you are? That's something you'll have to answer, wrestle through with God, but it's a good thing to think about. God, where do I need your grace shaping my life today, right now, where I'm at? The great thing about God and his grace is he shapes us and we get unshaped by sin, by bitterness. In his grace and love, he begins to reshape and remold us. That's his love for you and for the world. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks and praise for your willingness to die for us on the cross, to rise again for the grave. You are truly the example of not holding on to bitterness. Because you, as God of the universe, could have been bitter at your creation for rebelling against you. Bitter at each and every one of us for the ways that we rebel against you, the ways we wrong each other, and the ways we hurt you, and the things we do and say and think. And you continue to shower us with forgiveness and love in Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, we know and trust that you are continually reshaping us in your grace and love. Help us, Lord, not only to know, but to sense and feel that grace and love shaping who we are. As we understand and see ourselves in relationship to you and to all others. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. For more information about Holy Savior, including service times and location, please visit holysavior.org. Thanks for listening, and until next time, God bless.